What Radio, the music you want. With your host, Steve Dan. <laughs> Radio What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live in a living color from the Radio What studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous. It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do you go? DJLittleRock.com. Check availability, get a free price quote, and maybe you can have me at your next event. Yes, we're going to party after this is all over. We're going to party. That's what it is. We have a good time. I like to spend my time partying with people at the best times in their lives, like weddings and, and birthday parties, Ooh, video dance parties, karaoke jams. Yes, I have fun with the people <laughs> today on the program. Speaking of having fun with the people, I'm going to have fun today talking to Drish Dekiont. I hope I pronounced that properly. I'm sure I'll butcher it up uh, sometime or another throughout the podcast. <laughs> uh, this week's shows. Yes, this is the spot where I usually put in the shows that I'm doing this week, the public shows and the private shows. But due to the novel COVID-19 coronavirus, I am not doing any shows out in the public or even in the private. Uh, so you'll get to hear a lot and lots of podcasts. Yes. So let's do this. Let's talk to Trish Dekiont. Calling Trish Dekiont now. Hello, Trish Jacquin, please. Oh, that would be me, but you mispronounced my last name like I did the first two years before I met him or uh, got married. Of course I did. Of course <laughs> I did. Go ahead. Uh, pronounce your name and give the people a little idea of who you are. Obviously, it's Keys Dan with the What Makes You Famous podcast. Let them know who you are. Well, a pleasure to be able to finally speak with you. Um, my name is Patricia Dekiant. And it was like a prerequisite the first two years before I married my husband to learn how to say it. We're from uh, Louisiana. He's from Southern Louisiana. All right. So the uh, let's see. Uh, I, I guess I, go, I should say Etwa. No, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> I shouldn't do that at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more like Asha, baby. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? No, wrong. Very wrong. Uh, from what I understand. Uh, the people, and I, I know I'm doing a Justin Wilson, uh, n mm -hmm. no good impression. And from what I understand, the people of Louisiana, especially in, in the, the French Quarter, do not uh -huh. like that man. Because I, I, get, I think he's from Mississippi. <laughs> I don't even think he's from Louisiana. But uh, that's yeah. a whole other story. That, I, yeah. I, I like Louisiana. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I have friends in Baton Rouge and mm -hmm. uh, New Orleans. So, uh, yeah. All right. Let's start there. Where where exactly are you from, Patricia? I, I, wait, wait. Pronounce that last name one more time. Dekiont. Dekiont. Okay. Got it. Uh, I was born and raised in Baton Rouge. Uh, my husband is from uh, Rain over closer to Lafayette. And so he's actually the official Cajun in the family. I'm more of a mixed breed mutt type because Baton Rouge, you can get people from all over. We do have LSU and Southern University. And so you get to have that 
nice Cuisinart of different people, which is great because I just love meeting all kinds of different people. If I only knew one type of people, I would be quite bored. Yeah, I'm quite familiar with Baton Rouge. They, uh, uh, I have a friend that's in the Spanish department there at LSU. And yes, when you're at a, at a big college school, and that is mm-hmm. a huge college school, it's got a big draw uh, from, mm-hmm. for people from all over the, the planet. You're going to mm-hmm. meet people in a college town that, that have different ideas. And, and, and yeah. I like that. I like that melting pot. I mean, what, what did you get growing up there? Uh, did you get a feeling of, of worldwide, um, you know, di- different ideas from people all over the world? I mean, what, what was your, your views growing up there? Mm, actually, growing up there, I really didn't get to appreciate everything about Louisiana until I was older. I had kind of an unconventional childhood. Um, I think you're aware um, that I, I work at a shelter and I also, I am a CASA advocate. So I didn't get to experience Louisiana to the fullest when I was a child um, because my childhood was one of abuse. Um, but as I got older, when I met my husband, it was wonderful. They say if you want to go to a foreign country on a cheap dime, you go to the Louisiana. And that is very true. Um, but if you want to have, you know, wide hips and a good lunch, you go down to, you know, uh, New Orleans or Lafayette or, you know, that area. And, and Baton Rouge has some great offerings, the music, the you know, the vibes and everything. Unfortunately, I didn't get to experience that when I was younger. And so I get to visit it every year and it is totally awesome. Completely love it. Every trip we can get. Okay. I've seen the water boy and you know, I'm, I'm thinking of your husband's uh, small town vibe. Uh-huh. How close in documentary form is The Water Boy? I haven't seen that movie. I actually haven't. I haven't seen a lot of movies. Um, I see when, <laughs> <laughs> when, when I think of Louisiana, the closest I can get is, um, have you ever seen Still Magnolias? That was um, filmed in Natchitoches. Okay. Actually. Okay. And so, yeah. And the Big that's Easy, I think that's another another uh, favorite of mine uh, from yeah. down uh, from the from the Big Easy. I guess that's another name for the, you know New Orleans, the touristy part of Louisiana. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. And I know people joke and they say, oh, it's Nolens, but I promise you, the whole time I lived down there, I don't think I ever heard anybody actually call it that, but. You know, do whatever feels right for you, I guess. Well, I guess down wa- walking down Bourbon Street, you'll see all the T-shirts uh, and bumper yeah. stickers that say Nolens. That they're they're really um, playing yeah. on that vibe and, and and capitalizing on it as well. All right, so, so all right, so but you grew up in in Baton Rouge. I mean, yeah, maybe I know a little bit about your backstory mm-hmm. and very little, really. I I don't mm-hmm. research these things because I want the conversation to be natural and flowing and very organic. But you yeah. you alluded to your childhood being mm-hmm. not one of the norm. I mean, uh, you know, as far as you want to expound and, and let yeah. people know about it, uh, please, Trish, uh, let the people know. Um, I came from a very dysfunctional family and they were my mom was older when she had me. She was 42 and I think my dad was 38. And so my childhood is remembering Rawhide and Andy Griffith and like those older shows. Everybody's like, I used to shell peas with my grandma. I never met my grandma and my mother was old enough to be my grandma. Lord have mercy. They made the mistake of calling her my grandmother when I was in elementary school. I never heard the end of that, but that was kind of my childhood. And um, to put it lightly, I, my parents were the product of generational abuse. 
I don't know how many of your listeners have heard of that before, but my dad's parents were abusive towards him and they experienced abuse um, in their past. And then that was also on my mom's side as well. Um, I had half brothers and things that I've not met them. Um, But, you know, and I really don't know a whole lot, though I've tried to learn it and figure it out of who my family is. Um, but unfortunately that's kind of what it was is, uh, generational abuse. My, my, my dad had served in the Vietnam war and, uh, my, my mom was raised, um, her dad was a musician that played in bars. And so she was kind of raised there, you know, in and out. And so I had my experiences when I was younger. And then as I became an adult, I, um, it wasn't the therapist or anything that helped me. It was actually, this is going to sound crazy, but it was like internet memes. You know, and um, if anyone's ever heard of Christopher Titus, the comedian, when he had his show back then, yeah, yeah, he, he was, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone in this. And then dark humor became my best friend. Um, but, you know, the whole, you know, you can break the cycle thing just became very important to me. And so now, um, in present time, you know, my husband and I, we have a son who has uh, mild special needs, but I can honestly say that he doesn't know the pain that I've experienced. And he seems confused when he hears even minor things of what his grandparents were like on my side. Um, So I'm very proud of that. And then tried to use what I experienced when I was younger as a means to try and help, you know, people nowadays, you know, um, I work at a domestic violence shelter and I try to help the individuals that are needing help and, and come to visit there or call the, the crisis line. And then I'm also a CASA to try and help children who might be in need. Well, that's a broad overview. That If you look at the, the Wikipedia page on Trish, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep mispronouncing your <laughs> last name, Dekiant. De- yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you look at the, the overview, which is the top paragraph, that what you just mm-hmm. said in a nutshell is the overview. But let's dig a little deeper. I mean, how, what kind mm-hmm. of abuse? How, how did the, the abuse growing up present itself? I, you know, abuse can be <laughs> such a broad word. I, I, don't, right. I don't even know what you went through. If you, if you want yeah. to uh, go deeper into that, if not, hey, yeah. we'll, we'll gloss over it and, and, and continue forward. But uh, I mean, what kind of yeah. abuse? Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you some of it, but I'll, I'll be careful of it because I don't want any, because it can be triggering for some individuals. Um, but my, my dad had uh, a raging addiction to porn. Um, and so there were times when he rent to center was like his favorite place. He'd get a computer and then he'd get some virus because he looked at some things he shouldn't have been looking at. Mm. Um, obsessively. And then I was maybe in, I was a preteen and then my mother wouldn't want to go in to deal with this. And so I was constantly bringing the computer back to rent a center so they could fix it. And then they would send it back to him. He was very, he was very reclusive. Um, he didn't allow anyone to come over to the home. I, we didn't know extended relatives. Um, when we had holidays, it was literally just myself, my brother and my parents. Um, he was, Trying to find meaning in things and trying to, I don't know how to put this. Um, see, I, and I don't know a whole, whole lot about him, which is a shame because I lived with him, you know, both of my parents for 17 years, but that's how much they kind of withheld. Um, I know he was a private investigator once upon a time, you know, and when he was younger, but it became, he became an ordained minister over the internet. It's like he wanted to have certificates of anything he could get without having to actually socialize with people to kind of build up his, 
you know, self-esteem or self-worth because he was, you know, insulted quite a bit and, and, and whatnot when he was a child, but he wasn't offered opportunities either. Um, so that's kind of how he was. And then he also has um, a vision uh, deficit. He has something called dominant optic atrophy, um, which should have from what I understand, gone to my brother, but I ended up getting it. Um, and so there is that possibility that one day I'll become stat blind, but I'm not there yet. Um, but so he, he needed help. And part of the abuse was he couldn't see to type on a keyboard. And so he would have me assist him to look things up on the internet that when you're a 12 year old girl, you shouldn't be doing, you shouldn't be asked to do. Um, and he was very violent. He would destroy things. He would hit things. Um, we used, he used pot holders to cover holes in the wall. Um, when I was young, um, my mother had experienced this sort of abuse when she was a child because her father was very much the same. And so she, this was normal for her. So she, she ended up with him. And so it's, it's part of that whole toxic cycle. Um, but he was very violent. He was very degrading towards women. Um, my mom, you know, probably had something like uh, battered women's syndrome if, you know, you know, and I think that probably is a real thing. I don't know if it's a proper term, but she was very much depressed and, and down, you know, a lot of times. And she was the one that was actually the breadwinner. Um, but his favorite phrase was, if I didn't leave a mark on you, then I didn't do anything wrong. And so, you know, there were, there was all of that. But so it came to... Um, when I was 14, I attempted suicide. I ended up going to the same hospital that I was born at, which n no longer exists. It was Earl K. Long. And they, and it was um, one of those, it, it was if you had low income kind of hospitals down in Baton Rouge. And it's been torn down since, but they didn't come and see me. They didn't come and visit me. And then I ended up going back home because they couldn't find a bed available for a teenage female um, at a mental health facility to try and help me out. So I went back home and it kind of continued because I had, quote unquote, shame to the family. Um, and my, my dad was very much a misogynist. Um, he, he didn't value women. Um, I was removed from school and then I, I wasn't able to get my GED. I was literally at home every day, um, enduring whatever mood he was in, you know, until I was 17. And I actually met my husband by a wrong phone number. <laughs> it's been it's been a very much an adventure since I was born, but I'm in a good place now. So thank God for that, you know. Well, you seem well adjusted, and and, uh, and you look cute in your glasses, by the way. You know, I know your eyesight is going going down <laughs> for genetics, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, yeah. okay. So your mom and dad both came from problems, uh, very similar problems. But yeah. you know, they they came together. Hopefully, they helped each other out a little bit. But it doesn't seem like that's the case. It seems like it was mutually mm -hmm. destructive. It 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 very much was. Um, <clears throat> it, it it was very explosive. And, you know, unfortunately, children will be put in a position sometimes where they play the hero. So if, you know, if there was an argument or if there was something going on in the home and then we randomly got a knock at the door, you know, then, you know, you, you played like everything was fine and everything was OK. You know, it's, it, you know, and that and you learn that from when you're young, unfortunately, it's just kind of programmed into you of how you're supposed to handle this because, it's not like I went door to door and asked for surveys from other kids that had different experiences with good families. You know, this was, this was my normal, you know, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was generational and, um, you know, so my son doesn't know it now. So I'm hoping future generations, you know, will do and 
do much better without the challenges and, you know, having to make up for things that have happened. It'll be much easier, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy to be where I am to where I can help other people and make those adjustments, you know. Oh, you're doing great yeah. breaking the cycle. That's a, that's your, your lease in life right now. Your lot is, is to uh, try to stop what happened to yeah. you from happening to mm-hmm. other people. Now, were there any brothers and sisters in your life? Yes. Um, you were asking about abuse. I had one brother. Well, let's backtrack a little bit. Okay. Um, when I was, when I was younger, I had two brothers. Um, one was eight years older than me. And then the other one was six years older than me. Um, when I was four years old, my brother, uh, his name was Marshall. He was, he was, uh, he was 12. He had Duchenne muscular dystrophy, but back in 1980, you know, whichever year you want to pick, we didn't know as much then as we do now about that disease. Um, and so he went to a special needs camp so he could go fishing and have some, you know, adventures and stuff. And really, I think my parents sent him because they needed a little bit of a, a breathing time, you know, a little bit of a reprieve because it was very stressful to care for a special needs kid like that. Um, he went there and unfortunately he, he got pneumonia, ended up in the hospital, came back early and he passed away. So this is where, you know, all of this dysfunction continues. Now I have the other brother who is six years older than me and we moved from one home to another because he had a hard time getting over, you know, losing Marshall and it, and his name is Jason. Well, when we moved, um, my dad would watch porn on the living room TV. Our mother would work at night as a cashier at an Exxon station. And so my brother ended up becoming an abuser towards me. Um, with all of that exposure, you, you become what you see when you're a child. And that's why it's important to remember that you have little ear, you know, little ears around you and, and things like that. And the kids see everything. Um, but if you're the product of abuse and you don't want to change it, if you don't see a need for change or, you know, sometimes I, I get frustrated with the fact that they didn't get help from what they had suffered with, but, you know, there's also, you know, the whole, you know, how, how committed were they to change anything? You know, so that continued, you know, that generational abuse. Okay. So your, yeah. your brother, you were dealing with your brother, uh, your older yes. brother. And, and yes, he became sexually abusive. To get a timeline on this, I mean, when did your mm-hmm. your younger, older brother uh, pass away? Um, well, I had the two brothers. He passed away when I was four and he was 12. And then the abuse with my other brother, who is uh, eight, uh, excuse me, six years older than me. Um, that started from the time I was five till I was 11. So how long so. ago was that? I, I don't even know how old you are. Oh gosh. I, oh, I'm, I'm 36 and I, I have no shame in saying that. Oh, I don't know. I didn't, you know, do a timeline. Right. I think it stopped somewhere around, you know, I, I'm from Louisiana. We go on timelines, hurricanes. I think it stopped somewhere around, you know, when, uh, hurricane Andrew came through. Not uh, long 1992. After that. I remember that. Right. I, I was there you at, go. I was working for yeah fire department in Key Largo in the Florida Keys. So I remember yeah. Andrew <laughs> very well. And, and yeah. okay. So, all right. Now, now we got an idea of when and where and, and mm-hmm. how a little bit about how you grew up, you know, family wise. I mean, yeah. were, were there, were there any good times? Were there any happy times? Did you, did you go, you know, what did you do in school? How, how was, how did they treat you there? I mean, little Trish, I hope it wasn't all bad. <laughs> it, it, it. It kind of, there, there are some highlights, but it was kind of bad because yeah. um, I, I went I went to school, of course, but then, you know, I was bullied because I wasn't the cool kid. I wasn't given, you know, I was wearing my mom's clothes. My parents didn't buy me clothes that actually fit appropriately when I was young. 
um, they bought my brother um, bomber jackets and, you know, uh, high end shoes and things like that. But the things that I remember when I was when I was younger, it, it's odd things that you would probably think is crazy. And this maybe nobody wants to hear this, but. Um, I was raised in a trailer and I always joke that, you know, oh, we had so many roaches. You can't kill the roaches. They're holding up the walls. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I had nail polish. And so I put nail polish on the back of a roach's back and I'd be like, oh, you showed up again. And yes, I have an odd sense of humor, but you know, I think it's okay to have an odd sense of humor and see the oddities and things in order. It, it's a really good coping mechanism. You know, it didn't hurt anyone, but there was that. And then, um, I used to love catching lizards. And I would make like a little tiny leash, you know, with a piece of yarn and I'd, you know, walk them across the little picnic table and then let them go again. I used to love crickets and grasshoppers. And, um, you know, uh, one of my friends told me, if you dig a hole, you know, deep enough, you can, you can see China. I wouldn't do that now, mind you. <laughs> this is a bad year. Um, but, you know, there's, you know, I was digging holes in the backyard and stuff. I was very much an outdoorsy, you know, little girl, you know, very tomboyish. Um, and then, you know, I, I did have a few friends that we, you know, that I hung out with. Um, and then, you know, my dad, he would barbecue, you know, and, and things like that. There's some good memories in there. You know, they're hard to find at times. But yeah, there's a few things there. Okay, Trish. Now I can relate <laughs> a little bit to you. I mean, I, I feel yeah. so bad that you were abused as a child. And I know that's a big, uh, a, a big part of your psyche and, a, and about, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, of who you are right now. But playing outside that's something kids don't do these days and call me a 51 year old fart but that's that's <laughs> what i am right now these kids yeah. today I, I grew up near the everglades i went outside i played yeah. grabbed snakes uh, ran away from crocodiles and alligator i guess it's alligators yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. uh, you know uh, shot bb guns at various uh, cans and trees yeah. and, and and sometimes my friends you mm -hmm. know we we played uh, one pump BB gun wars mm -hmm. outside. But yeah, go oh, out, yeah. ride your bikes, play, play outside. You know, I see a lot yeah. of these the, the, the children on their devices. But uh, but yeah, you yes. had a, you had a good upbringing, a good outside. A, 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 you know, outside of the home, yeah. you, you found things to do. These are not yeah. weird things. Going and yeah. digging a hole and finding yeah. bugs and and uh, maybe yeah. putting a little uh, a, a little nail polish on them so you can see. Hey, I saw that <laughs> bug before. Yes, and I named it. Yes, yeah. of course. You know, and, and living in a trailer is not a bad thing. Uh, you yeah. know, I, I've grown up. I I've had tra trailers. I've had regular yeah. houses. It's it it has a a, a, a you know people d demean it, but there are some cool yeah. trailers. I mean, I, I I'm I'm thinking yeah. that your trailer wasn't wasn't the cleanest one, but uh, certainly, hey, it was a place to grow up, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was a good place to grow up and everything as far as structure goes. But you know, it's that whole you know I have an odd sense of humor. Like, okay, we're safe as long as nobody has a really good can opener, you know. <laughs> Like they can't get in. It's good, you know. <laughs> okay, I didn't. You know that that joke was flying over my head, and then you and you slapped it back. You know when you when you explained a little <laughs> bit about the who couldn't get in. <laughs> yeah. All right, I get it. I get it. Yeah. You know, my grandma's in a trailer. She's uh, in a trailer in Key Largo. You know, right oh. on the right on the uh, the Gulf of Mexico. So yeah. living in a trailer, it, it could be location as well. You're in a trailer yes, in it. Baton Rouge. That's mm -hmm. pretty cool place to grow up. I mean, as far as yeah. I can see, this is you know yeah. some, somebody here in central Arkansas, in Conway, Arkansas. Now, just yeah. so people know, uh, mm -hmm. we both 
live in close proximity, uh, but mm-hmm. because of the uh, uh, novel COVID-19 uh, yes, <laughs> yes. coronavirus pandemic, we chose not to meet face to face and and, yes. and, and and things have been running running ragged for you. But I digress. Mm-hmm. Let's back up. Find out. Mm-hmm. Okay. After you get out of mm-hmm. high school and, and quit uh, your, your whole digging and bug finding, uh, you mm-hmm. spent 17 years in, in this house. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and what were you wanting to be when you broke out of this situation? I, well, when I was a kid, I used to look at brochures and things for LSU. I wanted to go into mass communications because I really wanted to be a writer or I wanted to go and be um, a, a journalist or I wanted to be on television and help with news stories and things of that nature. Um, but like I mentioned, I was pulled out of school when I was 14. I still don't understand how, you know, those in Louisiana didn't figure out, okay, this child isn't in school. But um, nonetheless, that's what I kind of had in my head that I was going to end up becoming. And then, um, like I said, I'd, I'd met my husband by a wrong phone number. You know, I, my parents didn't know that I was using the phone. I was actually trying to work for Baker News at the time, which uh, is in Baker, Louisiana. I thought, well, somehow maybe I can snail mail articles, you know, because I'd stolen the advocate newspaper from my mom one morning. And I was like, well, maybe I can work for them, you know, and try to get in touch with them. Well, I was in touch with Michael Williams and he had relocated um, for work and I was trying to reach him. um, And someone told me, okay, try this number. And I kept trying to call the number. And uh, every time I called, it said, hey, this is Mike, leave a message. Well, I was 14. I was full of, you know, you know, I'm trying to keep it clean here, but uh, salt and vinegar, I guess. I had had some really colorful language back then. Um, And when he eventually answered, he wasn't Michael Wilson or Williams, because I'm I'm still confused on that name there. But he said um, that he was in between classes and trying to take a nap. And he was nice. He said, well, what do you want? And I, I prefer proceeded to, you know, like a well-trained sailor, chew him out and use all kinds of colorful language and hung up on him. Well, I called a friend. She's like, you don't want to leave that kind of karma in the world. I called back, apologized to him. And so we only spoke on the phone, but we spoke on the phone for like three months. And then he eventually came over and met um, my parents and things. Our dates were actually, you know, um, riding the, the city bus and go walking around the mall or going and seeing a movie because he was, he was actually a student over at LSU at the time. And here I am. I had just turned 15. Um, but you know, I was wanting to go to LSU and he was a terrific influence on me. Uh, we were engaged for two years. We got married when I was 17 and I, I was of the mind of, I wanted to, you know, be a mass, you know, into mass communications when I was younger. But again, you know, the abuse, my, you know, and the fact that my dad didn't value women, he put down, uh, all of that and said, you know, basically that's not going to happen for you. Women are only good for one thing. So, um, I ended up working up at McDonald's, um, in the playroom and cleaning and stuff. And that lasted all of a week after we got married. Um, but you know, as time went on, went on, I, I ended up, you know, with little jobs here and there. I worked as a telemarketer in Miami, Florida, actually at Reader's Service Center, um, selling magazines by phone because we had to live out there at one point for his, you know, when he was still trying to get his PhD. Um, I've had a number of different jobs. I've worked for Home Instead. I've worked for CareLink, CHDC. Um, and because in my heart, it changed from, I want to be in mass communications to, I want to help people. 
but I don't know in what capacity I'm wanting to help people. So here I am just playing with this idea. And then um, I ended up, I'd had people tell me over time, you know, you really should become a, a gal. I'm like, what was a gal? Um, in other states, it's, it's a guardian ad litem, um, and they help um, children who are going through court over, you know, after they've suffered a, a, a bad, abusive, neglectful past, and now they're in the foster system. In Arkansas, they call that process, so it's a court-appointed special advocate. Um, so I never, when I was a child, you know, it, you know, I wasn't like, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a domestic violence advocate. That never occurred to me. But, you know, that's what I've become and that's what I do. And I honestly, I wouldn't want to do anything else. Uh, there's nothing else that appeals to me. I like working, you know, I'm working with both ends of the spectrum. You know, you've got, you know, individuals that, you know, need help because they're in a, in a an abusive partnership or relationship, you know, and they may have kids, you know, and, and so I'm help, trying to help those individuals. But then you also have CASA where you have the children who have their perspective on the fact that their parents were, you know, they witnessed the abuse or they were being abused. And so, you know, beyond, you know, being a journalist, nothing else really occurred to me. I was never like, oh, I'd love to be a firefighter or I want to be a, a nurse. You know, it was, it, I just kind of ended up here and I'm happy with it. Trish, I love your storytelling. That is fantastic. And, and you, you meandered mm-hmm. through, you, you kind of glossed upon your, your love story with Michael oh, uh, and, yeah. and, and your different Joe jobs, uh, uh, working for McDonald's, <laughs> the fine people of McDonald's who yeah. are, are one of the, f- are, are some of the few that are still open and able to give, yeah. uh, uh, but, uh, working in the, the playground. Mm-hmm. Okay, is it as disgusting as I think it is? <laughs> uh, it was. There were some children that had some potty issues in the in the indoor, you know, play tube, and they're like, "Can you go up there and clean that?" And you know, oh my gosh, that that that'll tell you right there why I was only there for a week. Um, and it was in a college town. It was it was in Starkville, Mississippi, and so you know, you had students that had kiddos, or you had you know families that had children, they'd come in and, the, and you know, I, I don't know what it was about back then. It was in the early 2000s, but, you know, oh, hey, let's just go ahead and squirt ketchup on the table and we can draw in it. And then it would dry and I'd have to go squirt. I was just like, okay, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, but I don't want to be this. I, I couldn't handle it. It was, you know, it, it was, it, I, I wasn't taught discipline when I was a kid. I wasn't taught good work ethic when I was a, a kid or anything. I didn't get to be a a babysitter or anything. And, you know, so I had a hard time with that and I was falling apart and crying and, you know, and whatnot. And, you know, so I didn't stay there for long, but, you know, I've, I've had a very interesting, (laughs) interesting, you know, combination of different jobs that, you know, that I've done. So. Hey, I encourage every young person uh, that is uh, trying to to get out of the workforce to at least work, work for a little while in fast food. I did KFC myself and and I did that for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And I, I, man, I had a great time Mm -hmm. working there, but, but yeah, working in fast food is, Mm -hmm. is interesting. The service industry for that matter, dealing with people and and you you learn a a lot about yourself and and how much you can uh, handle working with people. Here I was, I was 16 or 17 working in the Mm drive-thru and I think 
uh, I had what can only be described as the panic attack. In the, oh, in the driveway. Yeah. I said, I got to get out of this thing, <laughs> get out of this box. But yeah. Uh, yeah, working in the well, ball I, pit, I, I could imagine the yeah. same thing. <laughs> well, it was like I worked the drive through window. I was there only, uh, you know, I'd have to ask my husband because he actually kept track of it better than I did. I'm like, I, I didn't count the days. I just know that I'm not there anymore. But I think it was like 14 days or something. And I remember working the drive through and I was like 17 and the woman had ordered food. She tried to pay me with her dog. Like, I, I put, you know, I looked over, I was going to take her money. And I'm like, there's a dog looking at me. And I'm like, okay. And so, so this is my first experience with, you know, there are individuals that have some different mental, you know, um, ways of functioning. Um, so, you know, I don't know if maybe she had, you know, it was a very much older individual. And so, you know, it made sense to her, didn't make sense to me, but you know, it, it was, it was, it was very interesting. And that is a very, you know, to work in the fast food industry, you know, I don't think people, you know, uh, express their appreciation enough because it is not, it's not easy at all, you know, and it, but it is you know, it is kind of a, um, how they, how they put it. It's, um, you know, when people say, well, I've gone to the, the school of life or something like that, it, it, it really is a good place to work, to go and learn quite a bit. And I did have a manager that tried to work with me, but you know, my childhood didn't, didn't prepare me for adulthood, you know, kind of thing. That was my, that was my, on my end, not on the industry's end, you know, <laughs> has nothing so. to do with them. But then you made right. your way to, to Miami, Florida, and you never said hello. I was probably working on the radio back then. If it uh, was anywhere in the 90s or, or even the early 2000s, I was probably in your ears while you were going to and from work. <laughs> um, possibly, I guess. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to remember. I think it was like... um. Uh, 2003, 2002, 2003. Where were you? Were you out that at, way then? I was at Exeter 105.5. Uh, your, oh. uh, yeah, bilingual station. It was two English and two Spanish. Uh, 105.5. Yeah. <laughs> I, I probably totally missed you. I felt out like a fish out of water because there's actually a lot of individuals down there that, that they speak Spanish and, and why not? Cause we live, um, over in some apartments out there in Miami, like across from a, a target. And I mean, I don't know if you, if you know what I'm talking about. You know, and then we we lived on Calle Ocho. Yeah, I'm familiar with apartments. I'm a familiar right. with the Target, and I'm familiar yeah. with Calle Ocho. Now, Calle Ocho, for those that don't know, that's the Baton Rouge of Miami. <laughs> you know, that's the Strip. You know, the Eighth Street, and a lot of Cuban yeah. restaurants. In fact, there's a big yeah. festival every year, Calle Ocho. And, yeah. and I enjoyed uh, my time there for sure. I I only just got to Arkansas straight mm -hmm. from South Florida in 2009. So yeah, yeah, I was there, and, and yeah. you were listening to. Well, maybe you weren't. Maybe cru cruising. I, 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 I guess that would be very <laughs> arrogant of me if everyone in the in the in the area was listening to 105.5. <laughs> well, I th well, I mean, I think back then I, I might have had an addiction to CDs. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't even remember what I was into back then, other than trying to figure out, you know, how to find a restroom if I went to, you know, a, a place because I couldn't speak Spanish and I, I tried to learn Spanish so hard and it didn't stick with me. I don't know donde este baño the moss even makes sense i don't know what i just said but if you cross your legs and you start vibrating then they know you need the potty so they kind of point you know go over here there's the ladies room well, and that's you, about as far as i got with it with that one sentence you insulted my culture you insulted my culture no i'm, I'm <laughs> kidding you you were very good you would have found the bathroom pretty 
pretty easily <laughs> using that that statement. Even you know, but my my Spanish is terrible, which is why I worked on a on a bilingual yeah. station. I'm half Cuban, half Irish, which usually yeah. makes people half upset, uh, one way or the other. <laughs> so, so I, yeah, that, but good. Yeah. We laugh, we kid. But your yeah. your experience in in Miami, living in an apartment, and you were doing that. Because yeah. your your hubby was uh, getting a PhD in what? Yes, um, in organic chemistry. Um, he, we see we met and we started out in Starkville, Mississippi, and his professor had gotten a better position, and he had transferred. Um, and so, for him to continue on to get his PhD, uh, we went to Miami, Florida. So he was going to the University of Miami, and so oh my gosh, like the memories that come back from then. Um, I would just you know, and I did. I worked at um, Reader Service Center. I was doing telemarketing and selling magazines, you know, by phone and whatnot. But a lot of my time was we had a pet rabbit. And so I would go out there to um, the university and I'd go sit at, a, you know, one of the tables outside of the little Starbucks. And, you know, my rabbit was scared of heights. And so she'd just sit on the table and we would read magazines and stuff. But I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what a plantain was. And so one day I was, you know, sitting there with the rabbit. I came another day and I was like, oh, there's this little, you know, store here. You can go buy some things. Um, I went and got a little bag of plantains and I didn't know what they were. Well, I tried one. I'm like, oh my gosh, these are hard. I can't. Oh, they, they, they just, I was, you know, I'm used to Southern Louisiana. I'm used to, you know, gumbo and, you know, etouffee. Plantains was kind of a new concept for me. Um, and then I start, I learned really quick, you don't give them to the cranes that are going around the <laughs> the waterfront there, you know, cause my, I told my husband, I'm like, I, w- I got some plantains and I didn't like them. He's like, well, did you save any? I want to try them. I'm like, well, I kind of, I kind of fed them to the cranes. He's like, I don't think you're supposed to do that. Well, it's too late. <laughs> I mean, they seem to like them. They came back for another dose, you know? Well, I mean, they didn't walk up to me. I was just kind of flicking them, but you know, I felt like, yay, I'm at the zoo, but they're not behind, you know, I can get to them and just flicking these and having the time of my life. And I'm just hoping they still have, you know, their mascot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> ex- ex- I know. Experiencing the wildlife at the University of Miami, all the cranes right. out there. <laughs> yes. I went was, to the University of Miami for lunch. It was yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's gorgeous out there. It really is. It was absolutely wonderful. I, and, you know, those are some amazing memories there. And, and whatnot, but you know, we ended up going to Indiana after that, um, and uh, we lived in Greencastle. I call it Green Dinkle because it's like it's, it's you know like a, a map dot. You know, it's really small. Um, and I worked at Fashion Bug for you know um, uh, like a year, you know, What's or whatnot. Oh, it um, it was one of the the stores that was run by Charming Shops. I don't know that it exists anymore. I'm not sure it may. Um, but, um, you have Lane Bryant and then you had fashion bug and they're both under the, you know, both under the same umbrella fashion bug, um, would sell, you know, clothing sizes for all, you know, women, whereas Lane Bryant, um, kind of focused on, you know, plus size individuals. Um, yeah, so, my mom yeah. used to call it Lane Giant. Sorry. Lane Giant. Oh, no, it's, it's fine. You can call that whatever she wants. I prefer Torrid. You know, it's, you know, it's 2020. It took me a couple of years to discover Torrid, but once you go Torrid, you can't go back. That's just my opinion. You know, nobody get mad at me or anything, but, you know, Lane Bryant just wasn't my, my style. I like the t-shirts at Torrid. And so. this portion of the podcast brought to you by Tori. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little shopping tip for the gals out there. Fantastic. Hey, yeah, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> what? Say it again. <laughs> I was like, throw me some reward coupons, Torrid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pass them on. <laughs>
<laughs> right. All right. Well, Trish, we're learning more about you. Your your, your yeah. time in Miami. You're you're making me mm-hmm. homesick a little bit. My mom and grandma are still yeah. in Key Largo, saying, "Come home, son." You know, I, I say Aww. that, but but they're just about to uh, to move to Tennessee. They're building a little log Aww. cabin out there, and I think mom and and grandma and and stepdad are going to be uh, yeah. spending the rest of their life there in Tennessee. So their yeah. their their world will turn from blue, uh, the blue of the ocean, to green, just like mine did. I don't know why you would want to move. I thought that you know Florida was kind of where you went when you were done with you know serving the world. Go out there, go to the beach, go enjoy your time. I don't know, you know. I imagine Tennessee has its perks. I just I've not heard of anybody wanting to leave Florida. <laughs> Right, right, it's, right. Once yeah. you get to a certain age, people retire yeah. in Florida. That's always right. been the norm, you know. Oh, uh, the, it's the biggest wine. Mm-hmm. In, in It's the, the favorite wine of New Yorkers. I want to go yeah. to Florida. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I remember it raining like two days when we were down there. There was like Ooh. never any rain. It was always warm and, and everything. And uh, it, it didn't rain very often, you know. Um, I, you know, and uh, maybe I'm a weirdo, but you know, around Christmas, you know, I kicked the AC to 54, you know, it needed to feel normal to me, but it was nice to look out the windows, you know. Well, that was, was my just, tradition you know. every Christmas, go to the beach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, but I'm from Louisiana. We didn't have snow, but you know, it was cold enough to kill a leaf, you know, <laughs> down there you have the pretty palm trees and they, they're, they're great at staying green year round. Absolutely. So. Oh, man. And we decorate. We decorate. We celebrate. Yeah. All right. So you yeah. got out of Miami and then you, you went where? I mean, by this time you were you got married pretty young mm-hmm. and, and you traveled yeah. around. You had a husband to go with. That's fantastic. Yeah. So where did you go from Miami mm-hmm. again? Oh, to, to Indiana. And then Indiana, yeah. you were you were uh, doing the, the clothing, the, the retail. Yeah. And then from Indiana, well, where did you go? Well, we were in Greencastle and then we had uh, moved to uh, West Lafayette. Indiana for a period of time uh, for because he was working and doing school and whatnot and it was wonderful there I, I loved the change in the seasons and all of the colors and you know my birthday's in November that's the first time I'd ever seen you know snow that early on you know but uh, from there we ended up moving um, down here to uh, Conway and we've been here for the last 12 years um, what, I what was brought you to Conway yeah um, his work, um, he, yes, his work, he was, he worked at Hendricks, um, for, uh, I think it was six years. Hendricks um, College. Yes, Hendricks College. And it was absolutely wonder there, and wonderful there. The staff was wonderful, faculty, and they do amazing things and go above and beyond to help the students. The, the, oh, I loved walking across the campus and, and, in the fall and we would go walk around and I, I, I joke, I'm like, let's go count the squirrels, you know, because <laughs> there were squirrels everywhere and then they had the the pecan uh crushed pecan uh field thing there it was just it was wonderful and um but they didn't have a permanent position available available for him and so um now he is an instructor um out at uaccm which is is wonderful um and we love it there too um unfortunately like everywhere else they've had to close down the school and so he's he's now working on doing um everything through by recording it and then putting it online for the students you know web classes and and doing labs and stuff and whatnot um but you know it's all been it's all been a great experience we were just like we love arkansas we're not leaving you know so he just kind of looked for another position that you know that was nearby you know, well, we had our son here. So, well, for the people listening, at UACCM yeah. is the uh, 
is the community college in Moralton. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. And that's Sorry. a pretty good job up there. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and it works out really well, you know, cause I'll, you know, I'll go and do what I need to do during the day if I'm working or whatnot. And then he's got time, you know, in between classes here and there. So I'll go visit with him and, uh, hang out in his office. You know, it, it really, we, we had a really good routine going until, you know, the whole COVID crisis thing kind of threw everything up in the air. But I, I love it out there. Moralton is, it's nice to go to Moralton to, you know, get out of Conway for a bit here and there just because it's a little bit slower, a little bit calmer, uh-huh. but it still has some pretty awesome people, you know? Oh, I agree. And yeah. Yeah, there's only really two places that I remember living, two regions. I've mm-hmm. lived in South Florida and I've lived in Central Arkansas. I've been all mm-hmm. over a lot of this great country of ours, but uh, yeah. I, I like it. I like it too. I mean, to give it up to, to yeah. Conway and Arkansas tourism Mm -hmm. come on out there's plenty to see (laughs) and constantly building more stuff oh my gosh we've lived here for 12 years and it i I don't know if i could list on one hand everything that they've added and you know we've got new shops and new restaurants and new roundabouts i I can't count roundabouts anymore i mean how high do the numbers go but (laughs) you know you know it's the city of colleges and roundabouts you know as long as it as long as it hasn't snowed and iced over and they don't become you know skating rinks the roundabouts are great. They help with traffic. <laughs> well, one of the things that brought me here from uh, Miami and that convinced me uh-huh. was Conway Core and, and the way that the city is planned mm-hmm. out and, and the growth. And the, it, yeah. the, the sign has said 50,000 people. I'm sure there's mm-hmm. more. The 2020 census will be done mm-hmm. at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you come to Conway? You know, I mean, and, uh, and you know, we've, it's the city of colleges. And I should know this after being here for 12 years. But, I mean, gosh, we've got um, uh, the – you're going to have to help me here. I know we've got Hendrix. We've got um, UCA. Um, yeah. And then there's oh, like oh. a Baptist college mm-hmm. as well, right? Yes. Yes. And so we get that nice melting pot here too, that I was raised with, you know, in Baton Rouge. And so that's awesome. I've met a number of different people and not only those that, you know, we, we, you know, help at the shelter or, you know, through Costa, but just in general, just, you know, where we live and seeing, you know, different people just day to day, everybody's awesome. I just love to see, you know, a variety of you know, lives and experiences. And, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. I love it. I couldn't live out in the country where I don't see, but, you know, one person every five miles, you know, I, I love being around people and, you know, all walks of life. It's awesome. Well, I first got here and I, I lived in the, the great city of Holland, <laughs> a population 500 yeah. and not yeah. too many people. Yes. I'm, I'm a city boy myself. I mean, yes, I yeah. spent a lot of time in Key Largo, which is kind of a, mm-hmm. a smaller place, but uh, yeah. you know, Miami, that was my, mm-hmm. my spot, you know, millions of people. Mm-hmm. And, and I know there's not that quite, uh, quite as many pe- people here, but, but what mm-hmm. I do, I mean, what, with what I do, I, I need to see people. I need to have people around with the DJ. Yeah. You know, I need to have people that, that go to those clubs and, and, yeah. uh, and listen to the music that I play and come to the karaoke mm-hmm. shows. So, all right. So what, what, ex- I mean, at, that kind of brings us to, to right now, to what, what you're doing right now. And you've kind yeah. of alluded to it. And, but mm-hmm. how did you get your, your own psyche into an even keel? Was that merely being married to a mm-hmm. wonderful man or, or was that, uh, did mm-hmm. you have therapy of any kind or uh, how did you uh, get to yeah. do what you do? Um, well, when I, okay. So to go back a little bit, um, my, 
dad was an ordained minister over the internet. And so, of course, a lot of my views on God were skewed um, when I was younger. I, I ended up being atheist. And, you know, of course, you know, when people tried to push uh, Christianity on me, I had a lot of anger issues. Well, if there's a God, why did he let this happen? Why, you know, did he permit this? That sort of thing. Um, and then, and, and there was a little bit of religion. I had to fight to be able to go to um, Central Baptist Church in Baton Rouge by bus. And I went for about a year, but my parents were also like, you can go to the church, but I don't want to hear anything of it, you know, kind of thing. But I didn't know what to make of it. It was very confusing. Um, and then when I met my husband, he is a very dedicated um, Roman Catholic individual, and he comes from a, an, an amazing family. Um, and he was very certain of his beliefs. Um, and so he, he kind of helped me with that. You know, when I was growing up, you know, what I thought love was was not love. It was dysfunction and manipulation. Um, but he taught me differently over time by who he was and who he is. Um, and then, um, as, as I got older, I, you know, his parents were very much like, you know, well, you know, I'd like to see you become Catholic if you get married. So there's that stability and not all that confusion, you know, if you have children. And so, um, I went through the, you know, uh, RCIA program, uh, in Starkville, Mississippi, and I wholeheartedly agreed with what was taught and became Catholic. Um, and then to be honest, I can't remember what you asked me. No, just congratulations oh, on being yeah. evenly yoked yeah. uh, in, oh, in that yeah. respect. I, I was a Catholic when I was a little boy. Now I'm American. Yeah. You know, you grow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm hardcore, you know, about my beliefs and stuff. You know, and I really, you know, and I believe, you know, being Catholic, you know, you know, I really believe in, in my beliefs and I, I don't want to be offending anyone. But I also understand that we all come from different backgrounds. You know, there's no one else gone through exactly what I've gone through, you know, and so they're still on their path trying to figure out where they're going. And, you know, I think you know, I'm someone that believes if you take a Bible and you smack someone in the head with it, they're not going to embrace it. They're going to steer it. And so it's, you know, uh, we have a song in church, you know, they'll know we are Christian by our love. And so I try to, by my example and who I am to, you know, that to help draw people to, you know, Christ and Jesus, but I try not to use it to punish them or, you know, beat them over the head with it because, you know, what good would that do? Um, but over time, I think you were asking me how I became a stable, you know, somewhat stable individual. And, um, so it was through, you know, through my husband and the church. And then after we got married, in all honesty, I had some real, really bad anger issues because I didn't, everything felt foreign. You know, he, he loves me. He's being kind to me. He's not being a jerk. He is, you know, and it was so foreign because dysfunction and chaos was normalcy to me. Um, and so to be happy felt odd, you know, um, and we, you know, argued and fought and, you know, and I would break plates because I, I couldn't adjust. And so um, he told me, he said, I love you, but, you know, I don't know how to help you. It might be best if you try and get a hold of someone who would understand and, and, you know, is, is certified and, you know, has that ed education to, you know, help you. Um, so I, I went and I saw a doctor, you know, went and, and I started with therapy. 
and that helped. And there's a number of different types of therapists. So um, for anyone that may be listening, you know, if you have, you know, a therapist and it doesn't feel like it's helping or working out, you know, try someone else because some therapists just, you know, listen. There's other therapists that do an EMDR therapy, which um, is very specific. It's, you know, with light and it helps to help your brain work. Um, both sides of your brain to work together so you can process things, old things. You've got cognitive behavioral therapists. Find what works best for you because you don't have to stay stagnant where you are and don't give up on hope of what you've experienced. There's always something else. You know, there's 1,500 different types of chocolate. There's, you know, different types of therapists. Find what what works for you. We're all so different. It needs to be catered to. So uh, I went through a number of therapists trying to figure out what worked. And there were times when I swore them off. Oh, this isn't helping. This isn't doing any good. Um, currently, yes, I do have someone that I go and visit and I speak with because with the, um, the, the things that I'm, uh, involved with, with helping other people, sometimes I think you just need a safe, confidential environment to be able to vent some of those things and your concerns of how you're able to process things or what your approach should be. Because when you work at a shelter or when you work with CASA, there's a very high confidentiality um, clause there. So I can't just go home and tell my husband, oh, this happened at the shelter or this happened with a child with CASA. And so that yeah, I go there and, and that helps me tremendously with that as well. Um, but ultimately, if, you know, if I throw a promo out there for anything, I don't know if anyone's heard of a uh, Celebrate Recovery, nope. but that that you've not heard of celebrate recovery tell me all about it all right celebrate recovery i can't (laughs) you'd have to look it up i don't know it that deeply but um i don't know who developed it but it's biblic biblically based excuse me and it's a 12-step kind of program uh sort of thing they have meetings uh in conway i started going to mosaic church and they had celebrate recovery there uh, the reason that I started going there was because I didn't necessarily have an addiction. I'm not someone that has ever done drugs or, you know, um, needed to drink in order to, to cope. Um, I, I went because I didn't know how to handle what happened to me when I was a child uh, and when I was a teen. And then I tried to fix the relationship with my parents so that my son had both sets of his grandparents, but it didn't work out. Um, so I went to Celebrate Recovery, um, and they help you with your, you know, hurts and hang-ups and, and things of that nature, things that, you, that you're just struggling to deal with. Um, and they had weekly meetings, and then they had like a little worship session and things. And I, I wish I had more that I could say about it because it has been a while since I've been to a meeting because like, like I mentioned before, it was hard to be able to even talk to you today because everything's just been very, very busy, very hectic. And so I've not been there in a while, but um, the mo- and it's a 12-step program. So if you take kind of, I guess, what AA would offer, you know, the 12 steps, and it kind of takes it biblically as well um, and throws that, that Christian depth into it. But the most helpful thing that I was taught in there is that God gives everyone free will. It's not that God was inflicting abuse on me or allowing it, but my free will can't be taken from me. And so you know, my parents' free will couldn't be taken from them. And so God was there. He was present, you know, but they did what they did because they made poor choices, not because I did something that brought it on, that I deserved it, not that God was inflicting something on me. But, um, you know, and I hate to say it this way, but the way I ended up feeling was, you know, 
individuals and people will do the best they can with what they have. And unfortunately, my parents, you know, they, they didn't know better. That was their normal. That was, and because general, generational abuse had gone so far back, you know, they probably felt, you know, odd if they were happy as well. And so, um, and so they continued what was their normal. Um, but I went to celebrate recovery for a couple of years. Um, you do get a sponsor while you're there. Um, another individual that's working the program as well, and they help lead you through it and there's steps and, and you do get chips for, you know, your time that you've been committed to it, you know. Um, but, and I never, you know, and, and there's people that have been there for 20 years and things of that nature. I never really got past two years, but I think you go for as long as it is to get what it is that your soul kind of needs. And when I came to the realization that, you know, my parents, you know, didn't do this because I, you know, uh, did something to bring it on to me. It wasn't God being ugly to me. You know, they just, they, they were some pretty warped individuals and just unfortunately, consi- you know, continued the cycle that they were taught when they were young. So, Well, from what I gleaned from that, Trish, is that you, mm-hmm. you as an individual could, mm-hmm. couldn't handle, or you had an under, a one understanding of, of what love is growing up. Mm-hmm. And then when this man mm-hmm. uh, came into your life and gave you love mm-hmm. in a more yeah. proper way, you mm-hmm. didn't know how to handle that. So you needed somebody exactly. to kind of let you know, Hey, that's, that's the right way, or that's more of the right way. Cause nobody's perfect, but right. you were getting loved the way you should be loved. And that's, that's a wonderful yeah. thing. I'm glad that you found that. Yeah, <laughs> and I did. You- and in the beginning I was rejecting it because it felt weird and it felt like I don't deserve this. And I still, honestly, even these days, I still, you know, he, and you know, and I hate to admit this, but you know, maybe it'll help someone out there that, that's gone through similar, but there's days when everything could be going peachy keen and wonderful and it's like the best day ever. But because I feel so uncomfortable in it, because when I was young, every day was chaos. Then, you know, I'll pick a a miniature fight or argument over something that doesn't even matter, you know, because it feels so uncomfortable to be happy or whatnot. And, and he's, he's a very understanding individual. You know, he, you know, we have never had any kind of dysfunctional, you know, abuse or issues, you know, that sort of thing. He's just, he's done everything. He's gone with me to therapy to understand, you know, he's, he's held my hand through all of this. Um, he used to hear the arguments and stuff in the background, you know, when I would call him because I didn't want to be alone sometimes when my parents were having it out, you know? And so he's, he's walked with me every step of the way with this, you know, but you know, I, there's times when I feel like I'm undeserving, I'm undeserving of, you know, lotion that smells really pretty, you know, because of the way I was raised. And so, you know, it sounds like, I don't know, maybe petty or dumb things to some people, but you know, everyone is worth every bit of what you can get and what you're offered that's healthy and wonderful. Unfortunately, sometimes it, it takes it takes other people to help you to, to realize that because you've heard the wrong things from the wrong people for too long. Trish, I'm sure some people can relate, including myself and yeah. my mother. She was on her fourth <laughs> marriage and her yeah. fourth marriage, the way that she kept that one together for so long. And she's been married mm-hmm. probably almost 20 years now with the fourth. Yeah. Uh, she said uh, 15 minute divorces whenever they get <laughs> on each other's nerves. And I know at this particular time, uh, a lot of people, a lot of couples are together more often than they mm-hmm. used to be. It used to be, uh, you know, you'd have the, mm-hmm. the husband go off in one direction, the wife or the mm-hmm. partner, you know, go off in the ne- mm-hmm. in the other direction. And then they'd meet together for a couple hours in the evening. Well, now yeah. uh, with the uh, the the pandemic mm-hmm. and the quarantining, mm-hmm. people are stuck together more often. So you're, I think mm-hmm. that they're they're getting more fights because they're not used to, to yes. being around each other. 
but the, yeah. some of the fights are for no reason. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Like, what are you doing? You're standing over there and you're breathing. How dare you? You know? Um, and, and, you know, and it's fine, you know, to have little, you know, arguments or frustrations. It's normal because, you know, everyone's, you know, routine and, and whatnot has just, it's, it's like someone was playing Scrabble and the whole board was filled and it was pretty. And then somebody came over and kicked the bottom of the table and everything just went flying everywhere. And they're like, okay, let's reorganize. And, and it's just, it's just madness and chaos. But, you know, if you start to feel like you are just, you know, in too tense of a situation, you know, it's okay to go outside and take a walk. It's okay. I'll admit there's times when I come out and I just sit in my car and listen to music, you know, and just kind of think of it as a really tiny apartment. You know, if you need time for yourself, ultimately, you know, you got you got to take care of yourself in all of this, too, even though more people are needing you than they did before all of this chaos, you know? Yeah, just but break then, out and, and go yeah. in the next room for a couple of seconds. Breathe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And those that are in a studio apartment, my heart goes out to you because you only really have a bathroom. But, you know, do what you got to do, you know? <laughs> Um, but you know, and, and you were mentioning, you know, everybody's in quarantine, things are getting more intense, you know, um, I don't know how many individuals realize this, um, but you know, domestic violence is, is on the rise, you know, um, and you know, I've, I've read some really horrible, you know, news articles warning that, um, that's actually be, being used as a weapon, you know, possibly by partners, you know, Hey, if you leave the house, you know, uh, you're not coming back. I'm not going to have you back. And if you get COVID, so be it, you know, you're on your own kind of, you know, using that as a weapon or a threatening measure. And then, you know, of course, child abuse is on the rise as, as well, because, you know, we're, we're all in tight quarters and whatnot, you know, and it's really important to take a step back, go take a walk. But unfortunately, those that were abusive before are mega abusive now. And so it's really important to reach out you know, when you, when you feel like you might be in need of that. So. You really opened my eyes to something it, that people, yeah. Mm -hmm. If you go off to the grocery store, who knows what you're bringing back? I mean, I know, I, yeah. look, to, for me, I think mm -hmm. this is all getting really blown out of proportion. <laughs> I think it's a, yeah. a really bad cold, a bad flu. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. thankfully I'm young, I'm strong. Mm -hmm. People with the lower, uh, mm -hmm. you know, immune systems need to worry and, and, you know, get mm -hmm. and, and take precautions. But by the same token, mm -hmm. I'm not giving as many hugs as I used to. Yeah. I, 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 I haven't shaken hands in years because I mm -hmm. meet so many people. Not that I'm afraid of their germs, but, mm -hmm. you know, you, you just never know. So I've been fist bumping, you know, for years <laughs> now. But, yeah. but, you know, I love hugs. I love them. But, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I, I guess I, I guess I am cautious mm -hmm. in this time. But I didn't yeah. realize that. You're right. You know, that mm -hmm. it could be used as a weapon. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, when people go off to the grocery store, they come back. Oh, no, you're not coming back in my house. Mm -hmm. I just went to the grocery store. I, I had yeah. to pick up some essentials. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but have you heard such things? I mean, the, is this something firsthand or secondhand that you've, that you've heard about, Trish? No, and I've not heard of cases locally that have happened. It's um, news articles and things like that that um, I try and follow some, you know, certain news feeds and things of that nature to where I'm just kind of aware of, you know, things that could potentially happen because it's happened, you know, in other states. There's been things that have been reported and whatnot um, to, to just kind of, you know, so if we get a call, it's not that, you know, like at the shelter, it's not, oh my gosh, people are actually doing this. And, you know, you don't want to have that shocked sound in your voice or something when, you know, someone calls, they're, they're you know, in dire straits, they're needing help. But, you know, what, what was domestic violence before COVID now has an added, 
you know, uh, weapon to it and added um, a new situation that, you know, there's some people that could be going to and through and, and whatnot. And so it's just kind of being, you know, vastly aware of everything that could possibly happen, you know, um, that someone may need to call about, you know, or something of that nature. So, uh, no, I've not heard of anything locally and there have been people that are in need. And it's just really important to know that, um, you know, you can reach out. It's important to make that phone call if you, you know, if, if you feel like you're in danger, if you're worried about, you know, what tomorrow holds for you, if you're uncomfortable, it's important to, to, you know, to make that call. And honestly, I, I should know the phone number off the top of my head, but I don't call the hotline and so I don't have it memorized. So walking away from this, I am going to make sure I program myself to not only remember the phone number for um, the shelter, but also... Which shelter um, would that be? Um, the safe place. Okay, I have uh, the number 501-354-1884. Perfect. Thank you. And if you're not in that area, or sometimes, you know, if you are living in one area and you need to get away from your abuser, it's best to go further away. So it may not be that you go to the shelter in your area, but you can always call the safe place and let them know, hey, this is my situation and there's resources there that we can share as far as phone numbers for other facilities and whatnot. Um, and then, uh, the, you know, if, if you, and if you're hearing something or seeing something that makes you worry that there's a child in danger or being abused, it's important to make that phone call to the hotline as, as well for that. And again, that's a number that I need to memorize. Things have just been hectic. I need to memorize these numbers and be, maybe write it on a piece of paper and keep it on the back of my phone. But, you know, make that call as well. You know, are you still going off to work every day at the safe place or, or is this uh, are you able to do stuff from home? How is that working out I, for you? Well, I, I work one 24 hour shift um, at the safe place one, one day a week. Um, but the rest of my time is filled with, um, oh, we have a, we have our son, he's 12 and he has special needs, but he's also trying to finish his school year up, um, which has gone online. So we're, we're trying to assist him with that. Um, and then because he does have, um, he, he, he is living with autism and ADHD. He does have a therapist and a psychiatrist. So, you know, he has a lot of appointments that have gone from, you know, face-to-face visits to phone calls, as well as, you know, God bless the teachers that we have because they are doing FaceTime, uh, Zoom meetings with the kiddos um, and whatnot. So there's dealing with uh, that. And then I've been trying to help my husband with what he's needing in order to be able to record um, his classes to get those online for his students. Um, I've been working with, you know, the individuals that I've been assigned with, with CASA to make sure they're cared for, which, you know, it was, you know, it, it, it can be complex things. It could be simple things. You know, these individuals, if they have children and they've gone to Walmart in their area and they can't find, you know, uh, baby food or diapers or something like that, then, you know, I've, I've been trying to help by going to different places. If I can find it, I will go ding dong ditch and leave this at your door and spray it down with Lysol so that you have it because, you know, as a community, we need to be helping one another. And so I've been working on that and then trying to make sure that I'm logging everything that I'm doing with CASA, you know, um, and everything to make sure my supervisor is aware of what, what's going on with things. So it's the little things here and there adding up to a whole lot. And so even though I only work one day at the shelter, there's just, a plethora of other things um, that I've been, you know, uh, working with and trying to make sure I get done. And then 
Um, also, uh, I just want to give a shout out to all the, the teachers and, and the school personnel and everything else like that. I know you guys are, they're doing everything that they can. Um, and as frustrating as it is to have one more appointment to where I'm like, okay, uh, son, you've got this appointment through Zoom, you know, with your reading teacher. You know what? The teachers were, were on the front line. They were the ones that saw how children were doing when they would come to school. If they were being abused at home, they were the one, they were able to see marks on these kids or are they actually eating lunch? Are they, you know, snarfing down lunch and then needing more lunch because that's the only time they get to eat and they don't have that ability to lay eyes on them anymore face to face, but they've stepped up and the school system stepped up so that even through a Zoom meeting, they can just know, hey, this kid's okay, you know. So right, Trish. Give it up to the teachers. And I, I was yeah. thinking uh, on your Facebook, and yeah. I did notice uh, April 13th, there was a post of you uh, mm-hmm. a video recording your, your husband while he was teaching. <laughs> and I thought that yeah. was cute as can be. <laughs> so uh, he's Thanks. doing his part, uh, making sure yeah. that people have knowledge in their heads. And, and that's why we're going to mm-hmm. fight this thing with, with knowledge yeah. and, and the scientists that are working on yeah. it. I'm sure there. I'm sure there's some people that are working around the clock trying to trying to bat this thing down, and we'll get oh, back yeah. to normalcy as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. I, I hear May first. I mean, and that, and that sounds about yeah. right because uh, the, the see uh, Wuhan, China uh, went into mm-hmm. quarantine January 23rd, and I think mm-hmm. last week they went back to work. So that's about three months, and then uh, yeah. May first. I think we went into quarantine about May March 26th. And mm-hmm. then uh, May 1st sounds about right for us to, to kind of yeah. meander on out, maybe, you know, stay cautious yep. and, and uh, but, uh, you know, stay vigilant, but uh, get yes. back to work. And from what I understand, yes. Arkansas in particular didn't even close down. It was, uh, you know, people on NPR were talking and, and mm-hmm. one in particular. I remember I was listening uh, to a lady who, who runs a, a steel plant in, in Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh Steelers, get it? Okay. <laughs> and, she, and she does business all over the country. And she said, yeah. she, you know, she's had to change her ways a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. but Arkansas, business as usual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm very well, proud I mean, of our state. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, we haven't closed down as much as some other states. I mean, there's, you know, there's the inconvenience of, you know, everything kind of being altered, you know, stores being open certain hours and whatnot, you know. Um, but no, I think, I think we've been pretty good. You know, we still have a lot going and whatnot. We haven't had to do, you know, do it as hardcore as other states, you know, but hopefully this will all end soon and we, and we can get past it and get back to normalcy, which unfortunately at that point, I think it won't be normalcy anymore because this is the new normal, but you know, we'll get there. Uh, uh, Fist fist bumps and uh, finger guns. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Finger guns. (laughs) Finger guns and jazz hands. There you go. I'm doing okay, jazz hands. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. All right, well, that yeah. that brings us right to to now, and you know how do yeah. how do people get a hold of you, and and mm-hmm. uh, you know what what kind of things are you open to to talking about with with folks? Yeah. Do they contact you directly if they have problems, or they they go through the Arkansas? Casa, or or mm-hmm. if they're in Morrillton, they go to the safe place. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you, how do you want people to connect with you? Um, to co- co- well, it's not important that they connect with me personally. If they want to become a cost, if they're interested in that, uh, Crystal Dendy. Um, she helps to recruit for CASA. Um, you can always uh, Google it. I should know the web address. Unfortunately, I'm horrible at remembering things. And I'm talking to you on my cell phone, so I can't, you know, seem ultra clever and go digging. But CASA Arkansas, and there's, you know, phone numbers and, and, and whatnot on there that you can reach through. And it'll give you a little bit more information as well. Um, go on Facebook and type in, you know, CASA. Just, you know, start garnering information and whatnot. Um, and now they're doing classes online. 
online uh, where you can view it. You know, it's like a, I guess, webcam style, like a lot of things now, so that we can still get individuals in place to help those kids that are in need. Um, so that way, and then you know, if if you're in need and you feel like you are not in a safe place, you know, or you know, even if you need uh, a phone number, because unfortunately right now you're facing homelessness or whatnot, if you call the safe place or you can call, you know, really any shelter in Arkansas, they all have numbers they can offer you and information. And it's just important to reach out when you feel like you when you don't know where to go, you know, figuratively speaking, ask someone for directions, you know, reach out, get, you know, and sometimes the first phone call isn't the one that'll get you where you need to go. But, you know, keep keep hacking at it, you know, um, it, you know, it, it, I hate using myself as an example. I, I don't have like that huge ego or whatnot, you know, really to do that to, you know, share my testament, quote unquote, but uh, or testimony, excuse me, but, you know, I am where I am, whereas, you know, I, I could be on a very different path, you know, and so don't give up, you know, if, if you don't want to be on, you know, a, a uh, there's more path. If you, you know, you're, we're all, we're all worthy of sunlight. If you, if you want to see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, keep hacking at it. You'll get there. You just got to, you know, keep putting in that effort, even when it's not the easiest thing. And the light at the end of the tunnel is not the front of a train all the time. Just keep going. You'll get there. I know people so. listen to this from all over the world, but uh, a lot of my listeners yeah. are here in Arkansas. And if you do have some, mm-hmm. uh, some issues, mm-hmm. some, some needs, mm-hmm. Uh, the number for Arkansas State mm-hmm. Casa Association mm-hmm. is five zero one four one zero one nine five two. So uh, yeah, yeah thank you. Oh no worries. Uh, I, I'm the Google is strong with mm-hmm. me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, Saint. Well, I guess we could talk about uh, mm-hmm. your your religious path just a little bit as we mm-hmm. close this out. Uh, Saint yes. Joseph Catholic Church. Is that where you're 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 going? Is that the the spot? E- Yes, yes. And of course, um, unfortunately, because of COVID, they've had to close down for a time. Um, but yeah, um, our family, uh, we, we've been going there for the last 12 years. My husband and I uh, were helping to teach faith formation for fourth grade, which, you know, for those that maybe, you know, attend a Baptist church, it would be the equivalent of kind of like Sunday school. Um, and we were teaching that. And then I'm also a Eucharistic minister uh, for St. Joseph. And then I was also um, a minister for the sick, you know, for, for Eucharistic ministry. And I would go and visit St. Andrews to bring communion to, you know, individuals that might need it there. But all of this has thrown everything, you know, kind of into chaos. And so, you know, when I thought, oh, I've got a lot of, you know, things that have kind of had to, you know, go to the side for a minute and, and take a break, you know, I thought, okay, well, that's going to open up a lot of time. But it seems like things, other things needed more time and they've kind of fallen into place and kind of, you know, filled in that time, which is, which is great. You know, they take priority when they need to. Um, but yeah, we were going, we are Catholic. We do go to, you know, St. Joseph and try to help out there and, and whatnot. So, and I love that church and, uh, you know, Father Tony and, and, and Raj and Father Jeff, they've been awesome to do a live streaming service. And so, that's kind of uh, how we've been been keeping up to date and keeping ourselves a community, not only, you know, and I believe in community, not only church wide, but, you know, worldwide, you know. Yeah. Throughout the gambit of, of uh, seeking uh, religious and spiritualism mm-hmm. and where my mm-hmm. my place is in the world, the, the yeah. fellowship is definitely what, what I enjoy mm-hmm. the most. Uh, finding people that, that I can chit chat with uh, and, yeah. and good people for that matter, you know, just trying to live yeah. their lives. Right. Uh, so yeah. thank you. Thank you very much for that. I'll, I'll, I'll put all this in the show notes. Uh, 
I mean, uh, and, um, you know, just thank you so much, Trish, for, for talking mm-hmm. to me. It, it, I know this has been a long time coming mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. I, I've enjoyed this so much and, mm-hmm. and I hope that yeah. we do keep in touch uh, from time to time. And I, I look forward to, to meeting yeah. you, uh, in, in person and, and chit-chatting <laughs> a little bit more. Yes. <laughs> I know we're, awesome. we're so close and yet yeah. so far. And I'm, yeah. I'm so glad that you have a good family life. It seems like it's real stable now, yeah. and even though that that work life is hectic. But I think you've made it that way, so you can keep yourself busy, idle hands, yes. right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, very much so. You know, I'm like, well, you know, if I get too bored, then you know, I I think a lot of people they get stuck in their head. But if you're doing something productive and and you keep your mind set on you know positive things, you know that that helps a great deal. You know, so I know you've I know you've seen my Facebook. I post a lot of memes about crazy things, you know. And yes, I'm a Tiger King fan. I can't believe the the like someone recommended that I watch that, and it certainly wasn't what I expected. But the hilarity that comes from it. You know, what else are we going to do if we're stuck inside all the time? Yay, Netflix. So. <laughs> what, what a surprise. I mean, I, I caught it myself and I'm, I'm, ba- I'm waiting with bated breath for that, that one last episode that's coming out yeah. real soon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. But, you know, uh, the, the biggest thing, you know, I just want to throw out there is that if you're, if you're, if you don't like where you're planted right now, you're not a tree. You can move. So. Well, my goodness, I usually end this thing with last words for the people. And and Patricia, I think that <laughs> might have been the last words for the people. <laughs> no, if you if you have something that you live by, that you yeah. that you uh, you know words to live by, or just something that pops mm-hmm. up into your head at this point, because mm-hmm. that what you just said was very profound. But uh, yeah. I'm going to give uh, Patricia L. Mm-hmm. Trish Dick. Queen, uh, oh my God! I, I haven't said it in about an hour. Dekiant, you're good. Dekiant, yeah. Dekiant. All right, mm-hmm. let's try this one more time. Patricia L. Trish Dekiant. Last mm-hmm. words for the people. If you feel like you're a tree and you don't like where you're planted, you can move. You're not a tree, and be the change in the world you wish to be, wish to see. There you go. Well, there you have it, party people. Trish Dequiant, such a cool lady. She had such a hard upbringing and she took it, she twisted it, she turned it around and now she's helping people herself. That's fantastic. That's what you do. Take that pain. You you fix it. She had some help. She got some some help from people uh, going through therapy and the like. And she has a, a nice hubby that has helped her out as well. Find out what true love is. Dig it. It was a it's a love story. It's a people helping people story. It's Trish Decreon's story. I love it. Thank you. From Louisiana all the way to Conway, Arkansas. Uh, you know, uh, in a meandering roundabout way. <laughs> Thank you so much for telling your story on the What Makes You Famous podcast. If you, yes, you, my lovely, loyal listener, would like to tell your story, I encourage you to give me a call at 501-470-6386 or email info at RadioWhat.com. That's it for me. It's Keys Dan, RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. Follow Keys Dan on Facebook and Twitter. Click on the links at the top of keysdan.com follow radio what on facebook and twitter click on the links at the top of radio what.com the music you want is on if you like what you hear follow what makes you famous social media use the hashtag what makes you famous follow on facebook at what makes you famous follow on instagram at what makes you famous follow on twitter at makes famous 
and follow on YouTube at Keys Dan. Leave What Makes You Famous podcast a review and subscribe. Listen to What Makes You Famous podcasts on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and almost anywhere you find podcasts. Tell your story on my podcast, What Makes You Famous. Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keys dan email info at radio what.com what makes you famous podcast is a production of keys dan enterprises incorporated at keys thank you for listening radio what the music you want with some words to live by save for retirement starting with your first paycheck a public service message from radio what.com the music you want.